Hi, this is Adam Hay, and you're listening to the Sound Architect Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Sound Architect Podcast. I am joined by the wonderful Adam Hay. Thanks for joining us today, Adam. How are you? Well, yeah, brilliant. Great okay. to be here. Well, great to have you. It's really good to chat to you again. Thanks for joining us in Manchester way back when as well. Yeah, that was a fantastic weekend, actually. Um, yeah, yeah, amazing stuff, like organising that. It was a great venue, and uh, it was a really good, um, really good atmosphere there as well. Yeah, lots of great guests as well. It was a good collaborative yeah. effort. So yeah, before we talk about everybody's gone to the rapture and everything else, let's go back a bit. How did you first begin your journey into game audio? So, a long time ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I I did music technology uh, at university because I've always been fascinated by sound and music and things that go bleep and bloop. Um, so when I did my you know when it came to university time, I had to go into something that was audio related. Naturally, yeah. Yeah, and, and music technology was, was the way forward for me. Um, and kind of before that, I dabbled with making games. I'm sure a lot of people uh, are familiar with uh, Click and Play and the Games Factory and those kind of early like bits of software that let people just, you know, it gave you a load of really crap assets. and <laughs> Some of the old school stuff. Yeah, it just, but it, it gave you an opportunity to sort of dabble with making your own games. I was well into that. So when I finished my degree... It seemed like the natural step was to maybe go into games. So, I, and I was very lucky, and uh, I landed a, a junior sound design role at Traveller's Tales. Nice. This is like nearly ten years ago now, actually. So, wow, really? Yeah, yeah. It's coming up to my tenth anniversary of being in game audio. <laughs> and how long were you there for? Uh, I was there for just over two years. Okay, and what came next? After that, I moved down to Frontier and sort of spent about four years there working on various games some of them which were never announced but others which uh were connectimals uh connectors land adventures a lot of connect games um <laughs> also worked on a game called lost winds there which really proud of it's really sort of a great uh platformer okay cool which i think it's i think it's on steam now i think you can check that out on steam as well oh nice and yeah from there it was uh a jaunt up to to rare for a little bit to help them finish Connect Sports Rivals, which is another Connect game. Lots on the Connect then. Yes, a lot of Connect. I mean, Microsoft were trying to get a lot of games out for the Connect when they were still invested in it, which they're no <laughs> yeah. longer they're no longer interested in it anymore. But uh, for a time, yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's more of a control tool now, isn't it, for Xbox One? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did. I, do they even sh- ship it anymore with the Xbox One? I, I don't know actually. I know a lot of them do have one. Yeah, I, I think they stopped bundling. I can't, I can't remember the, the specifics, but... Yeah, they definitely uh, removed it from the bundle as an option because everyone was mm. just like, why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, they had a bit of a, a change in management and kind of ditched the Connect. But I mean, it's a really cool bit of kit and it's still got a life as a kind of... Like people are using it and doing these, these crazy hacks for it and making really interesting things with it still in the sort of the, the modding scene and whatnot. Oh, yeah, it's still got quite a lot of cool features to it. Mm-hmm. So was it straight onto the Chinese room from there, or did you have another stage? Yeah, so from there it was it was down to the Chinese room to work on Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. Wow, fantastic. And that brings us pretty much up to date. But you're you're freelance now, aren't you? Yeah, so I'm working freelance and I'm really enjoying it. It's it's great to be involved with so many different projects, uh, like in so many different ways. It's it's nice. I, I I enjoy the variety. I enjoy being able to sort of do a lot of different things. Yeah, and do you think that it was a big benefit being in-house for so long before you went freelance. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely it was, yeah. I mean, it's 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 nice to sort of understand 
the ins and outs of game development yeah. uh, and know how it goes kind of like for, from start to finish because when someone asked me to do some audio for them uh, you know I know what stage they're at and, and how I can sort of fit into their their workflow and, and give them what they need with the minimum of us. Fantastic and were you nervous to go freelance because obviously you've been in-house for so long? Yeah I mean I, I'd been toying around with the idea for a while and a couple of a couple of friends of mine had um had made that jump and they seem to be really enjoying it so you know it's always a bit nerve-wracking making any change in life but uh, it's it's definitely one that I don't regret. <laughs> yeah fantastic so what would you say is the the biggest challenge of being a freelance sound designer? Um routine I think is like keeping to a routine I'm quite lucky at the moment because I've, I've got a, a studio to go to like most of the time in the week and I can I'm kind of working in-house as a freelancer oh okay but I, I'm I'm naturally inclined to uh to, to go to bed late and get up late which <laughs> <laughs> doesn't always tally with 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 a professional lifestyle so um yeah keeping on top of that and making sure that I, I step out of my my house <laughs> go and socialize and go yeah and do some leaving exercise. the house becomes a big mission doesn't it? <laughs> it it can do yeah because you've got everything like i've got a, a nice sort of studio setup in my second sort of room in my flat uh but yeah i definitely like the thing that i i miss the most when i'm not working in-house is being surrounded by other people and having like that social element because I, you know, I'm, I'm, I quite enjoy just just chatting to people and solving problems together rather than sort of having to try and do it over email or or something. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes things can be solved so quickly just by popping over to someone's desk as opposed to waiting six hours for an email for them to go. Sorry, can you give me more detail? Yeah, exactly. Especially when it's like, <laughs> it can be something really simple as well sometimes, and it's just like, oh yeah, I forgot to change this variable here or i didn't check this file in the multitudes <laughs> of software that we use now it can just be a checkbox somewhere that you forgot to check in the preferences or something yeah absolutely so i mean it's probably pretty obvious which is your proudest moment so far but uh, i would assume it's one of the numerous awards that the everybody's gone to the rapture won for audio including the bafta for audio achievement yeah absolutely i mean like that was such a, a crazy moment like being at the BAFTAs and seeing like all the other projects that, that we were up against, like it was Battlefront and uh, The Witcher 3 and there was like all these games that had really big teams and they were doing like amazing stuff with, with, with sound and it was a bit like, oh, you know, here, here we are just sort of waving the flag, <laughs> our tiny team. <laughs> um, so, so to actually walk away with, with the awards for audio was, was incredible. Yeah, so that was your first project with the Chinese Room, was it? Yes, it was, yeah. So it was a bit of a new thing for them, but was it a new thing for you as well to have Sony's support and Sony's involvement in that? Yeah, well, I mean, it's I hadn't worked with Sony before. Um, I'd mainly done a lot of work with Microsoft, but, but yeah. there was a kind of a similar, a similar relationship there where they would have like external audio people who were sort of, you know, our champions. They were on our side. They were trying to give us the resources that they had to help us make the audio as as polished and as brilliant as it could be yeah um and you know i, I had a fantastic time working with sony i thought they were they were brilliant like the 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 people that were involved um with the audio side of things you know they totally got what we were trying to do and they gave you know amazing feedback that kind of pushed the quality up and up every time yeah i mean for the benefit of our listeners what was the extent of sony's involvement i mean they, they were the publisher right yeah so they, they published the game 
like totally just speaking from an audio perspective, they provided um, support and resources. Uh, they did all of the like because I'm only kind of one person, like I did outsource audio for us as well. So okay. uh, they, they did a lot of the Foley walking for the scenes. So we'd have James, who is the VFX artist and animator, would, would animate a scene. And then we'd sort of capture that and we'd send that over with some instructions and they, they'd send back like a, a Foley track for that. Okay, cool. It was just like little bits of support and, and, and giving feedback and, you know, trying to you know, like massage everything into sounding really good. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, how many people would you say overall then roughly were on the, the kind of audio side of things? Internally, it was basically just uh, myself and Jess. Um, but on Sony, there was there was maybe three or four, uh, maybe five or six, or, uh, seven or eight, maybe. Yeah, keep counting. <laughs> there was, yeah, there was quite a few different people. Like There was um, basically uh, Keith, Pete and Joel who were kind of the central trio who uh, like managed everything from Sony's side. Right, okay. And yeah, there was uh, a couple of extra like sound designers. There was uh, Rob as well. And there was a couple of extra people who sort of helped with the localization side of things. And were they all US-based? They were all based at the US, yeah. They were all sort of based out of Sony Santa Monica and uh, Sony San Diego. Okay, cool. So when you say they provided resources and things, did you get access to their sound libraries and stuff or, or their plugins? or? Yeah, I got access to some of their sounds. So there was a point where I was, just needed some, some really good wind beds. Um, they, they, they sent a whole like, gig of, of wind sounds from their personal libraries over, which a lot of, a lot of that I, I used and sort of weaved into the game. Mm. But a lot of it was just, um, just having that, that pair of ears, another set of creative ears that you could trust. Yeah, just just saying this sound here or this particular thing you've done, you know, it's not up to the level of everything else. You know, maybe focus on that for a bit, or like giving feedback as to the way music cues would be presented and triggered, and maybe just finding better ways to pace things and space things out. Yeah. So with Jessica obviously doing the music as well, did you guys collaborate on much in terms of talking about where music would sit and where sound would? It. yeah absolutely yeah it was a really close uh collaboration that we had jess wanted to make sure that the music was used in the most appropriate way mm. so it was always there to score the most emotional moments and, and use it in a narrative you know in a narrative way so like the main thing that we were trying to avoid was having a kind of a wallpapering of music so right yeah you're just sort of going from one queue to another queue to another queue and everything sort of clashing and overlapping and you get these sort of collisions between like emotional tones and and you get a bit of sort of whiplash so we spent a lot of time doing a lot of choreography as to where the cues would be <laughs> situated in the world and what they'd be tied to what scenes they'd be tied to where you'd hear them just wandering around in the, in the environment um, and making sure that there was like a pacing and a space to everything yeah so where would you start? What were you presented with to begin with when you first went there? When I so when I joined the game was basically there was uh, some environment, some early sort of block out environment, but it was a collaborative process from the beginning. We all figured out what we were making together, so we just kind of started building it up, kind of piece by piece, um, starting on like one small area. I think we started like in the village. But it was a very, it was a very kind of different narrative then. Like there was a skeleton of the story, and a lot of the same characters were there. But 
we we try stuff out and we do a milestone and then from that it would be like okay so what's working about this what isn't working and then that would evolve and change a bit and then dan would write some some more story or refine the story he was trying to tell so it yeah it started out from this kind of just a plot of land <laughs> and you, just, you just kind of started planting planting seeds of things and ideas and, and sort of constructing it upwards and upwards until we kind of had this final thing thing that we kind of landed on at the end yeah and do you have a particular structure in terms of the way you work so do you start with ambiences and build up from there or do you focus on certain elements or do you just kind of take it each day as it comes to see what is the priority yeah i mean initially i mean like the ambience of the game was a big part of it so you know initially i spent a lot of time working on that because there was a big kind of space to fill yeah where you're essentially you're just kind of walking in walking around and, and drinking in the environment and being in that space in that world so kind of i focused quite a bit on making sure that that was it was always interesting and it was dynamic and it wasn't kind of a static feeling to the world that everything was like in the soundscape was always shifting and moving yeah um so it was kind of building up layers and layers of different ambience so it was like a sort of dynamic wind beds and um like the wildlife sounds that would start to drop out as you went through the game and then all of the like the weather effects and the thunder and lightning and everything um making sure that all of the, all of those layers were really really detailed and would sit together and would have that sort of movement so kind of you could sort of set a little system up and uh, and let it sort of run <laughs> so there's quite a lot of subtlety in there but also was there anything unique that you you put into the, the kind of sound design and the soundscape that you wanted to come across to the player i think there was like this undercurrent this sort of menacing undercurrent there that using um this kind of procedural ambience bed system that had lots of like tonal elements to it right that were made from like time stretched recordings of, of jess's music uh, and synth sounds and guitar sounds that had like been processed to tape yeah and bounced back from like my old four track back to the computer <laughs> nice. um, so it was kind of trying to like have this sort of analog kind of layer to everything that kind of felt a little bit like everything had been sort of like left to sort of decay a little bit yeah left to sort of fade a little bit and and just be a little bit like distorted and just just had that edge of age Hmm, cool so let's talk about the the vo side of things that's another area that we haven't touched yet so mm. fantastic performances also BAFTA nominated for both BAFTA winning for, uh, yeah for, uh, for mel absolutely um, so when did you first start thinking about who you were going to get in to do the the characters and things so it was basically dan and jess who did all of the casting and dan did a lot of the direction uh, along with kate saxon from uh, from side they had a really clear idea of, of who they wanted and, and how they wanted the characters to sound because they were so invested in that, that the story that they was they were sort of creating. Right, yeah. So, so they had a really clear idea. And casting sort of happened quite early on. Um, the, the, the key to the whole game were, were the performances. Yeah. Um, and making sure that everyone was giving a really good performance and was inhabiting <laughs> that, just inhabiting that character because that's kind of all you have to, to define like these people. There's no visual cues. There's no like pictures or anything. So you have to make sure that their character comes through 
from their performance and from their voice and from the way they they present that character yeah definitely and did you implement the vo yourself yeah yeah so what we did so initially like very early on it was going to be kind of um it, it wasn't going to be like situated in the world it was going to be like these 2d like uh vignettes almost like oh okay uh, or or just like narration like in dear esther um but as we sort of started developing we realized that we need to put these people in the world and have them act and present these scenes um, that you could sort of move around in them and you could sort of witness it happening. So, so yeah, we, we, um, we implemented the VO sort of attached to the particle effect characters and they were 3D sources in the world and they, they moved around in the space. So we recorded, um, we recorded the performances using lav mics. Okay. So everything was totally split into like mono sources uh, and we just played them back, to, you know, at the same time in engine. So it kind of recreated that performance that they gave on the soundstage. All right. Well, wow. so let's talk about a bit about the tech. So what kind of middleware and things did you use to implement all this? Was it Wise or FMOD or? Um, it was FMOD. It was FMOD designer. So um, it wasn't my choice to use fmod over wise I'm, I'm a bit of a wise uh, aficionado um, <laughs> but it was basically it was down to the time because because we, we use cryengine for the game oh, okay um, cryengine came with fmod sort of weaved into it in a very specific way right okay so it wasn't until about halfway through development that they released a version of the engine that used wise instead of fmod but by the, that time it was like, well, there's no, it's just too much effort to port everything over to Wise, and there wouldn't have been any benefit. Um, and you know, I, I'd come up with all these little systems and tricks to to do a lot of the things I would have done in Wise, but with FMod Designer. So it kind of it all worked out in the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what's happening with CryEngine now because I know for for a while it was it was free, and then there was some sort of weird update where there was a subscription or something. So yeah, it's um, so this was like pre-subscription times yeah um but yeah it's it's i mean like like crunch is quite a good engine to use um it, it's really user-friendly but i did spend a lot of time sort of drawing in shapes you know and putting ambient sounds down <laughs> and <Yeah>. like, having, <laughs> like I, I we came up with a system where i could select a bunch of like uh trees and bush objects and auto create a shape around them oh wow um, because like I had specific foley sounds for the, for the trees and the bushes. So the wind would blow through those in a different way to sort of like in open areas, just to sort of get that, that different texture throughout different areas of the game and just get, have a, a more sort of 3d feel to things. Yeah. So do you use any other games as a reference point for kind of like your, do you know what I mean? Like your level of, of quality, do you kind of listen to anything and go, right, I want to kind of get to that kind of quality. That's what I'm aiming for. Oh gosh, um, yes. I mean, uh, things like The Last of Us. Uh, the, the performances in The Last of Us were like, okay, we I, we want to try and hit this. Yeah, um, they were amazing. And because the whole performance capture thing they did, we were like, can we do that? But without, we don't need to animate them, so we can just record them. We can just get every people acting together, and and getting that quality of performance. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of, of of Dice and you know their their quality bar that they set. Um, 
big fan of Limbo. Um, mm, like, fantastic game, yeah. Yeah, and just the restraint that the audio has in in, in something like Limbo, you know, where you can you can actually be quite subtle and quiet, and then have big moments where everything gets very loud for a, for a while, um, but also do more interesting things with audio. Yeah, uh, and the sound design and the, the soundscape. So they were kind of the the, the big sort of games that I, I would sort of reference but also older games as well I'm a big fan of uh, big fan of Thief I don't know if you played the, like, the original Thief games I haven't uh, played the original I played the one on uh, PS4 yeah so be- before those around sort of the, the millennium they, the, uh, the soundscapes in those games were really eerie and really sort of processed and, and you know the atmosphere in those games was really unique yeah. and that was something that I wanted to sort of recreate you know, take that sort of identity and, and kind of make something that, that had its own identity in a sort of similar way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. I'll have to check out some of the old Thief games. I've not played those before. Yeah, they are they are really good. I don't know I don't know how well they've aged now. I mean, the, <laughs> visually, they, they looked bad at the time. Um, oh, <laughs> but uh, I, I totally recommend playing Deadly Shadows because that has a, some really cool music, music sound, sound design and music that, that blends together. Okay, cool. Now, we actually have a, a question sent in on Twitter about Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, um, sent in by James Stant. And uh, he's asked, what was it like during the game's mixing stages with Sony in the US? Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the the mixing stage. So we, we, we spent a week out uh, at Sony Santa Monica's sort of headquarters uh, in their amazing sort of mixing room. Um, that was all like you know, it's all properly calibrated, all top of the range stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and basically, we spent. Um, it was uh, me and Jess flew out, out there, and we met um, all of the all the Sony Audio people, Keith, uh, Pete, Joel, uh, Rob, uh, and some you know, a few other um, people who'd kind of been involved at that point. Yeah. And we all went through the game with a fine tooth comb, just adjusting, like doing final you know fine tuning each sound and each line of dialogue and each music cue um because i'd mix it to a to a point but as soon as you as soon as you hear your game on like you know a proper setup a properly calibrated setup in a proper space you can just start hearing all those little elements that are just slightly off yeah um so we spent yeah we spent a really sort of intense week just just fine tuning everything and uh, we went over some, you know, they, it, there was some some brutal, brutally honest feedback as well. <laughs> like, there was like, there, there was a point where you know we got towards as, as you get towards the end of the game, there's like um, like these electricity bolts that that shoot down down some pylon wires. And Keith sort of turned to me and said, "Yeah, that sounds not very good, is it?" And I was like, "No, it's not very good." So we <laughs> we we just t- together there with like we just sort of created a new sound just replace stuff that wasn't up to the up to the standard but like that's i that's what i kind of enjoyed was just having that honesty yeah, um, yeah. because you know everyone's just pulling in the same direction and going you know you know we want this to be the best uh the best possible sounding game that we can make so you know there was there was no stone left unturned there was nothing that we left in the game that was like ah you know what that'll do you know there was everything was examined and fine-tuned um yeah, sounds like quite a meticulous process. It was very meticulous, yeah, but it, it was kind of necessary, really. And I'm I'm so glad that we actually did that to that level of detail because 
I think it was the difference between being able to sort of come away from it and going, there is no more that we could have done to make this game as good as it could have been. Um, <laughs> well, that's what you want of, at the end of a project, isn't it? You want yeah. to know that, you know, we did what we could. We did the best we could. Yeah, you don't want to sort of come away thinking, oh, if only we'd done this or if only we'd done that, you know. I don't know how, how rare it is to be able to actually change assets during the mixing phase. I don't think it's that's seen as a good idea in <laughs> some projects. I think a lot of people will be like, no, we, that's, we've locked all the content down. But I think because we were such a such a small and agile team we were able just to go no i'm well we're going to change that sound because we can and you know well yeah because it needed it yeah <laughs> okay so um actually adam that's all the questions i've got on everybody's gone to the rapture is there anything else that we haven't spoke about on that game that you would like us to talk about um that i may have missed i think we've covered most of it haven't we yeah and certainly the stuff that i, that I was involved with anyway um like there's a whole like i i didn't have much input into the uh into like to the soundtrack side of things uh that was all dealt with by by jess and yeah. and kind of you know sony as well but I, I did get to check out the um i went up for a couple of days when they were recording at uh at air studios okay cool. uh, and it was you know it was such 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 an honor to sort of uh to, to be there while they were recording because they, they had all these amazing musicians like bringing the score to life it, it's fantastic that an, an indie game could have that level of uh, like level of quality sort of brought to it by by musicianship that that high and the, you know and the composition quality that high. Yeah, definitely. It's very very rare to get that kind of thing. So yeah, that was that was fantastic. Cool. Sorry, that was me kind of being a bit off the record there. I'll go back into to podcast mode. But <laughs> okay. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> um, okay. So what about you know since everybody's gone to the rapture, what about post rapture? Because I mean that was how many months ago now? Uh, it came out over a year ago now. Oh, wow. Has it been that long already? Yeah. Yeah, it's been wow. a while. <laughs> I suppose it must have been, yeah, because the BAFTAs was back in, uh, they were back in April. So mm, Yeah. Wow. So what have you been doing since then, apart from being freelance? So the, the other project that I did um, sort of post-Rapture was sort of helping remaster uh, Dear Esther. So there's been a kind of uh, a re-release of, of Dear Esther on, on PS4 and Xbox and I, I, was, I was kind of asked to uh, do a kind of a polish pass on the audio design of that game. And I kind of went through a lot of the, the original assets and sort of updated them. All right, yeah. Made, made new sort of ambient sounds that were kind of similar, but a little bit more, but, but, you know, a little bit more polished. Yeah. Um, and did a little bit of work uh, sort of remastering the VO and adding a bit more sort of bass and gravitas to it. Um, and mixing the whole thing, so it was a, it fit together a little a little nicer, I think. But that was that was a really really kind of nice project to do. Really, it's kind of you don't often get a chance to be involved in like in in games that have inspired you. Yeah. So to sort of go back and revisit a project that you were like, oh wow, I love this game, um, and and have that sort of that privilege of of putting your own stamp on things was. Um, yeah, it was that was you know quite privilege. Must have been quite nice to be able to kind of upgrade some of the older sounds as well. I mean, because obviously they were the the best for their time, but it must be yeah. nice to kind of upgrade the quality a little. Yeah, I mean the thing is with Dear Esther is I you know I always thought that the the audio in that game was was really good anyway. It was you know it was a really high standard, and they did a great job with with the resources that they had. It was just just the three of them really working on that game. So 
it was a challenge in one sense because you want to preserve you know what makes drs to drs you don't want to mess with that you don't want to change the formula in any way oh no um, it was a real sort of you know I, I i didn't i didn't interfere with the dna of anything i just sort of sort of you know changed a few things and 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 brought some like a, a few new sort of sounds that i'd recorded in into the into the project wow fantastic and so what about now what's in store for you now can you tell us much about what you're up to um, so the, for, unfortunately, like the, the big games I'm working on at the moment are all, uh, all under wraps. Um, hopefully Standard. they'll be, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately so, um, but I'm working on, you know, working on some VR projects and working on some, you know, some nice, uh, some larger games. Um, and, uh, there's not really much more I can say. I'm also sort of, sort of working on my own little sort of spare time little indie games you know going back to my kick and play uh, click and play days and oh cool <laughs> making my own little projects um which more of which will be revealed as time goes on i'm sure <laughs> how nice and ominous <laughs> yes <laughs> okay awesome well a nice fun question to finish off with then if you could hang out with anyone alive or dead who would it be oh uh easy frank zappa Oh wow! Straight off yeah. the bat, <laughs> yeah. Didn't have to be, yeah. Frank, kind of, yeah. Frank Zappa is a bit of a hero, and uh, I'm sure he. I don't know if he'd have time for me. I don't know if I'm interesting enough, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to uh, love to spend some time with Frank in his studio and see, see his uh, his compositional chops in action, and you know, his blend of of humor and extreme musicianship is right up my street. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Awesome. Well, it's been absolutely amazing having you, Adam. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, yeah, we look forward to hearing more of your work in the future. Brilliant. Thank you very much for having me on. It's been a great, uh, great pleasure to chat. Absolute pleasure to have you. Take care. You too. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Sound Architect podcast, sponsored by Krotos Limited, creators of Simple Monsters and Dehumanizer. Don't forget, you can also catch all of our great reviews and other articles at our website at www.thesoundarchitect.co.uk. If you would like to support The Sound Architect, please check out our sponsorship link as well as our Patreon.